0: Is our life about us or do we see ourselves as part of something bigger? Is our experience at church about us? Is our experience of the mass about us? Am I entertained? Did I like the music? Did I get something out of the homily? Or do we recognize we're part of something bigger, a communal act of worship? So I was at the chiropractor this past week, I go about once a month, and um, it's really interesting, they usually don't have music in there, or if they do, it's kind of that ethereal, kind of like relaxation music, but the receptionist wasn't there, so the chiropractor put on some of his favorite music, and I didn't realize that his favorite music as a chiropractor was hip-hop. Hip-hop. Get it? Anyway, welcome everyone to episode 160. So great to be back with you. If this is your first time joining us, we start with a dad joke every time, so I hope that brought you joy. And if it's your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast so other people can find it. We'd really appreciate it. If you haven't done that in a while and you're a longtime listener, you can do that again. Did you know that? I would really appreciate that as well. So either way, go rate and review this podcast and go visit our website, manafoodforthought.com. If you haven't been there or haven't been there lately, a ton of content on there, You can click on the subscribe button so you can become part of our uh, mailing list. You can get our weekly reflections sent to you every Wednesday before they're available to the general public. And you can also see all of our old content, our old podcast episodes, and eventually there'll be merchandise on there as well. So please visit that website, see what's on there, uh, join our subscription list, and you can also click on the give tab and become a patron for as little as $1 a month contributing to uh, help fund the cost of this podcast because it does cost money to host the website and the domains and all of the stuff that um, the equipment that is needed to run it. So that would be much appreciated. And you guys are awesome. Thanks for being here. Love being with you, sharing with you what the Lord is doing in my life, and hopefully it blesses what the Lord is doing in yours. And so let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy is that this past week, my family was in town, my parents, my sister, brother-in-law, and my niece. So my complete immediate family. I uh, have a smaller immediate family, um, but we don't get to see each other as much. We're all in Southern California, but um, yeah, we just don't get to see each other as much. So that was nice to get together and, um, and just see kind of how things are going. Um, and, and really, um just really proud of my sister. My sister and I, uh, we don't have a close relationship, but I think it's gotten closer, um, over the years and I hope it continues to, but she recently started a job that's similar to mine, but in in an evangelical church or a non-denominational church. And so, um, yeah, it's really cool that we're both in like full-time ministry, which is crazy. Um, just kind of given a lot of things about our lives. So um, in our childhood, like, you know, our parents were great and we did go to church, but it was just like, it wasn't the type of experience you would expect to lead to to two full-time ministers. So just interesting. So the Holy Spirit does incredible things. So that brought me a lot of joy to see them, spend time with them. Um, And for my grandkids to see them, because my grandkids, uh, or my grandkids, for my kids to see their grandparents, (laughs) I do not have grandkids uh, anyway, my junk is that, um, I, um, so how do I explain this? So, cause I, I can't really go into big detail, but, um, so something that you may know about me that I think I've shared before on the podcast is I have a certain charism, uh, called discernment of spirits and uh, what that has manifested like in my own life is heal, uh, bring, allowing God to bring healing to people through. Uh, my ability to pray for them, not for physical needs, but usually for spiritual ones, especially if they're afflicted with spiritual warfare of some kind. Um, and doing it only to the degree that a lay person can, because obviously priests, they're the ones who have the, the authority by the bishop to exercise, to drive out demons and things like that. But as lay people, we can uh, do prayers of deliverance and cleansing and things like that to try and you know, aid ourselves and one another in rebuking, you know, evil spirits and the influence of evil and attachments and all of those different things. So anyway, so that, that I've done that for lots of people and uh, I don't really advertise that, but people just kind of come, they, they sense that about me or they they're sent to me by God or our, our paths crossed and cross. And, um, you know, so anyways, I was invited to sit in on, um, something this week, this coming week, um, that involves that And, um, and it was in a capacity I've never done, done before. And so I was really, you know, doing my best to be spiritually aware and, and spiritually healthy. And I, and I started feeling a lot of attack, experiencing a lot of attack from, uh, from the enemy and very, uh, you know, um, visions of very graphic, violent, evil, fear, fear inducing images that the devil was sending me. And, um the Jesus that's, that's in this is that the devil is weak and the devil is a wimp and the devil knows that he's already lost. And so simply knowing the power of the name of Jesus and being able to pray those things away, like in an instant was really, um, amazing. Cause I know that the devil's just trying to scare me off and he, he can't because he can't overcome Jesus and Jesus has already won. And so, um, In the midst of kind of coming off of that i was like you know i have this book of deliverance prayers i often use i'm going to pray through all of them just for myself and i did and it was you know very normal praying through them and just kind of claiming the authority that we have by virtue of the church and um, the name of jesus and the power of the name of jesus to you know denounce and renounce whatever we can but i got to one particular prayer that i realized i'd never prayed before in that booklet it's probably the only prayer in that booklet i'd never prayed before And it was right in the middle and I started praying it and the words just like cut me to the heart. Like, it was just like, I didn't realize there were some, um, areas of my life and some behaviors and patterns of behavior or thought that were allowing for, um, greater influence of the enemy and him to kind of tempt me or say, you know, things to me to try and throw me off. Um, if that makes any sense. So anyway... I had a very emotional response to this prayer and felt just incredibly uh, healed and cleansed after that. And it happened to be the same day that I had spiritual direction for myself with my spiritual director later that afternoon. And so it was just a really anointed day in that way um, where the Lord, uh, and it was all because of Jesus and the power of Jesus and, and his name and his name alone, that any of that was able to happen. I have no authority you know, over those things, but Jesus does. And, and we can claim that in some degree. So um, Yeah, it was just a really beautiful uh, experience. So anyway, it was a little long-winded, but I hope you know maybe that brought some awareness to you. Maybe there's some things going on in your life um, that you need to have some uh, keener spiritual awareness and attention to. And maybe there's some prayers of deliverance, and this is something you can look up on your own. You can Google Catholic prayers of deliverance or Catholic deliverance prayers for lay people, and you'll find a ton of these. And if you pray them, always out loud, pray them out loud, um, and actually, you know, intentionally read and be praying them. Um, not just like reading it, like it's a formula or a magic spell that, you know, you have to have like an awareness and an intention to like mean what they say and not just passively do it. Um, but regardless of the situation, if you claim authority in the name of Jesus, like it's Jesus's authority, like he, he has the power to do, you know, to have any, all, all power to vanquish evil. So Anyway, I hope all that made sense, but I feel like maybe it's on my heart that there might be people listening to this, that um, that they really need that. There's something maybe oppressive or dark in your life, uh, some influence of the enemy, and it's not anything against you. The devil wants to attack and throw all of us off. And so if you're experiencing that in some degree, uh, maybe you need prayers of deliverance. Maybe you need to talk to someone. Maybe you need to um, allow yourself to take up the authority you have as the, the, the person in charge of your mind and your body and your soul um, to renounce the devil and any attachments or any entryways that have unknowingly been opened throughout the course of your life for him to come in and tempt you and um, allow these, these things to plague you. So I just want to encourage you to explore that um, in a uh, safe way um, and not get overly curious about it, because that can also be a way that the devil tries to creep in. But if you need that, if you need to claim that authority for yourself to drive out oppressive thoughts, any feelings of darkness, or influence of the enemy or of demons in your life, there is a way for you to do that. So anyway, did not think that uh, I was going to talk about that, but let's get into the actual content for this episode. Uh, And that is the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, which is the fifth Sunday of Easter. And the second reading is we're still in the first letter of St. Peter. Uh, Again, Peter's writing to the early church, a church that's being heavily persecuted, trying to encourage them in the midst of their persecution, remind them of the reason for their hope, remind them that it's Jesus who died for them; that they are to emulate Him as living sacrifices, and also reminding them of what it means to be church. And that's what today's reading is about. Um, in First Peter chapter two, about um, that we are the body of Christ, we are the church, we are the living stones of the church, and that we are called to be a royal priesthood, to be the priests to the world. It's not just church is not just a building with a priest who ministers to us, but church is a people, a body of Christ made up of priests, all of us, who then go minister to the world. And so that's what the reading is about. So I'm going to read it once through, and then we'll explore it together. So this is Peter writing uh, in his first letter to the church. He says, Beloved, come to him a living stone rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God, and Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore, its value is for you who have faith, but for those without faith, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word, as is their destiny. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The word of the lord thanks be to god so what really stood out to me in this again as i mentioned before the reading is this image of us as the living stones of the church and as the priests of the church this is something that the church has taught uh, for a long time it's in the catechism of the catholic church that we are by virtue of our baptism we have a baptismal priesthood we are called kingdom priests we're not ministerial priests we're not ordained bishops priests or deacons Uh, some of you listening might be actually but I mean, all of us, generally as lay people, the everyday Catholic, by virtue of our baptism, we are called to be a priest in the world. We're also called to be a prophet in the world, and we're also called to be um, uh, part of Jesus's royal office office in the world, which is serving out of servant leadership and echoing his service at the Last Supper, where he washes the feet of the twelve disciples. Uh, so we all have a a priestly, a prophetic, and a royal office by virtue of our baptism we're called as baptismal people to live those things out. But specifically, I want to talk about being this chosen race of royal priesthood as a living stone. So first of all, like you are a stone. You are one part of the church, the body of Christ, but you are also the body. So you are not, you are one part, but you are also the body. And this kind of relates to, you've heard this probably referenced many times, but um, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 talks all about this kind of dynamic of that we are a one body though many parts uh and that all of that needs to be rooted in love that's that famous passage in first corinthians 13 love is patient love is kind and then in, in 14 about all of the spiritual gifts that come together to form uh, all that is needed to fulfill the mission of the church and to form the church itself and so an example of that in 1 corinthians 12 verse 12 uh paul writes he says as a body is one though it has many parts And all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also Christ. And then a few verses later in verse 27, he says, Now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. So you are the body of Christ. Everyone you encounter is the body of Christ. We are all connected, grafted to Christ. He is in us. And we are parts of one cohesive body that we all have skills, personality traits, uh, ideas, abilities that all come together to form the church. And it's not just any one person's opinion or one way of thinking. Yes, we have the fullness of truth that was given to us by Jesus Christ. He is the head. He is the one that dictates what the body does. But he wants the body to be co-creators, co-responsible with him in bringing those things to fruition and allowing those teachings to be borne out and shared in the world and that requires the use of the whole body and just like if one part of the body is hindered it affects the rest of the body if you stub your toe then it hurts your foot which affects the way you walk which affects your ankle which then affects your leg and your knee and your upper leg your hip your back and you're you're all thrown off and just like one sin one moment of division brought into the body of christ affects the entire body the same is true for us But on the positive end of that spectrum, one good deed, one charism or gift offered in service for the Lord, one person stepping forward to serve in ministry, that amplifies the efficacy of the body of Christ in the world. That increases the grace that we experience as a body of Christ and as a church. There's a story of um, a man walking uh, along a wall and he sees three stonemasons and he goes up to the first one. And he says, oh, what are you doing? And the stonemason says, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. And he's like, oh, well, geez. And so he goes to the second stonemason and he says, hey, uh, hey, what are you doing? And the second stonemason says, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm building a wall. He says, oh, okay, interesting. And he goes to the third stonemason and he says, what are you doing? And the third stonemason says, you know, you can't see it now, but I am helping build a great cathedral and it's going to be beautiful. Now, all three of those individuals were doing the same thing, but they had a different mentality about it. The first one, all he saw what he was doing. You know, that's all he saw was what he was doing, the ins and outs, the day-to-day of his own tasks and his own life. The second stonemason, he had a similar perspective, and maybe he saw that there was a bigger goal or a bigger vision he was working toward, but it was still mostly about him. But the third stonemason saw... That what he was doing he was contributing to a larger vision a larger project something that was bigger than himself and this begs the question when we read this passage like when we think about our life is it about us is our life about us or do we see ourselves as part of something bigger is our experience at church about us is our experience of the mass about us am i entertained did i like the music did i get something out of the homily Or do we recognize we're part of something bigger, a communal act of worship, remembering and representing the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross to the father for his glory and to proclaim, remember the forgiveness of sins that we receive as a result of Jesus' paschal mystery, his crucifixion, death and resurrection. Are we claiming that and recognizing we are part of something bigger, or is it just about me? my experience, my opinion, my gifts, what I'm doing. And when other people don't recognize it, we get resentful, bitter, whatever it may be. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, I've read that verse many times and I use that verse many times to talk about when people gather, but I wondered, because it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them, in my name. And I wonder, How often are we gathered in ministry events or maybe even at mass? And when we first gather, all of us are there, but we're all gathered there in our own name. So is Christ really present yet until we get to, you know, the parts of mass where Christ is present? You know, Christ isn't just present in the assembly at mass. Some people have that like that misunderstanding. There's this question of like, where, what are the ways Christ is present in the Mass? And he's present in the priest, he's present in the Eucharist, he's present in the Word. And then the fourth way, there's four ways, most often people will say in the people. And that's not what the documents of the church say. It says when the people sing and pray, that's when Jesus Christ is present in the people. Why? Because they're gathering in his name. And I can think of many ministry events I've been to at churches, at dioceses, where people were gathered together, but not in the name of Jesus. They were gathered together in the name of wanting to be relevant, wanting to be important, wanting to be seen as cutting edge or the coolest new thing, being attractive or marketable. And it was clear God was not present. Even though God was proclaimed maybe by one person, two or three gathering together in his name didn't really have that experience. And that's a huge thing to mourn, I think. And that's happening, I think, at many Christian churches all over the place. People are gathering in the name of their church or in the name of their community or in the name of their own wants, needs, and desires to be affirmed, wanted, known, relevant, liked, followed, whatever. Do we recognize we are part of something else? This is not not about our experience. Oftentimes we gather in the name of vanity or of pride, but are we really seeing ourselves as stones, parts of the church, of the body of Christ, seeing all that we contribute, good and bad, how it affects other people, and all that we are bringing to the table, all that we are offering when we come together to worship and to pray, and not what we are receiving. We are stones. And not only that, we are living stones, living an organism, something that is alive. Are you alive? Are you alive? It says in Matthew 22, Concerning the resurrection of the dead, Have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And just in this last weekend's gospel, John 10.10, Jesus is saying, A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy the sheep. I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Are you alive? Are you doing your job as a living stone? Would someone look at you, no matter the sufferings that you're going through, no matter what life throws your way, would they look at you and say, That person is truly alive? That person is living life abundantly. I ca- I've encountered many people who have next to nothing or nothing at all who are living life abundantly. You can tell by their personality, their disposition, the joy that they have, the lack of attachment, the lack of materialism and worry. Are we doing our job as a living stones, professing Jesus Christ? Not only crucified, but alive, risen from the dead. And does that living Christ dwell in us with such joy, fervor, and zeal that when people look at us, they cannot help but see the living and risen Jesus. They do not see us. They see through our joy to Jesus himself. And lastly, you are a priest. You are a stone. You are not only that, you are a living stone. And you are a priest. You are called, as the reading says, Not to be the priest who's up there for their own glory, preaching all these great things and being the presider of the assembly. No, what it says in the reading, you are called to offer spiritual sacrifices. This is what John the Baptist meant in his last recorded words in the gospel where he says about Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. His last recorded words of his last recorded words in John chapter 3. They're not the very last thing he says, but it's in his very last statement. In John 3, he must increase, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. That is what it means to be a priest and offer spiritual sacrifices, is laying down our own desires, our own effort, time, gifts for others. That we're not to go out to teach, correct, argue, debate. There will be opportunities where it's clear God is inviting us to teach or correct, but our normal disposition is being called to be priests. And what do priests do? Fundamentally, they're called to encourage to listen, to heal, to forgive and comfort and serve others. Think about what all the sacraments do. None of the sacraments require teaching. They don't require as part of receiving the sacrament that you are taught or that you are teaching someone else. The sacraments are all about integrating us with deeper intimacy and relationship with God initiation all of those sacraments baptism confirmation eucharist yes we're called to go witness and proclaim the message of the good news to jesus christ but if we cannot do that it's not a hindrance to receive it the essential part of the sacrament is that we are renouncing sin and we want to live in a new life and relationship with jesus christ and experience him intimately and receiving him eucharistically in our body and receiving the holy spirit to animate us and allow us to give back to the church but teaching arguing correcting debating not part of that The sacraments that of healing, they're not called to do that. They're called to remedy the ways that we've broken our relationship with God. And the sacraments of vocation, of service at communion, they're not called essentially to teach. They're called to lay down our life for the other, either by doing so in religious vows for a community or for a group of people, or to a spouse in marriage. It's all about relationship. Being priestly in our relationships, being sacrificial service-oriented in all of our relationships. The Pope, one of the titles of the Pope or descriptions of the office of Pope in Latin is Servus Servorum Dei, which is he is the servant of the servants of God. He is the servant of the servants of God. And no Pope in my life has demonstrated that better than Pope Francis. I mean, they all demonstrated to some degree. I'm not saying that, you know, any of them did it badly, but he does it particularly well, especially at the beginning of his pontificate and he's continued that. And yes, he's a good teacher. He's very good at communicating things in a way that's easy to understand, but he has this passion for service and helping others to see that. One of my favorite quotes by him is where he said, every one of us is a masterpiece of God's creation. And he wants everyone to know that and see that in themselves. And that's something that is encouraging. He does a lot of listening. He tries to bring a lot of words of healing and forgiveness and comfort to others. He serves others in his actions and where he goes in the world and what he does when he goes there and how he washes the feet of people, how he invites people who are not the usual suspects to be part of committees, to be in offices, to uh, have his ear, to give feedback on certain things at councils or, you know, in, in consultation, whatever it may be you echoes the words of Jesus in Matthew twenty twenty eight. the son of man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when Jesus washes the feet of the 12 apostles at the last supper, he says, I therefore, the master and teacher have washed your feet. You ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow so that as I have done for you, you should also do. So in our commissioning, let's say this Sunday, as we hear the second reading proclaimed to be living stones and a chosen priesthood or royal priesthood, we need to ask ourselves, am I living up to that calling? Do I see myself as a part of the body of Christ and it's not all about me? Am I alive? Am I a living stone, a visible witness and representative of the living risen Christ who lives in me? And am I a priest out in the world not getting attention for myself in some kind of patriarchal office or hierarchical position where I have power, influence, and authority, but in the sense of priesthood that I'm willing to sacrifice for others, to serve them, to encourage, to heal, to forgive, to listen, to comfort? How am I doing those things in my life? How are you doing those things in your relationships? Think about the people that irk you, the people that irritate you, How are you being a priest to them? Maybe they need healing. Maybe they need encouragement. Maybe they need to be listened to. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness or offer forgiveness, remedy that relationship, reconcile. Maybe you need to bring comfort because they're going through something you cannot see and it's manifesting in this behavior that you're just complaining about. Everyone has a story and our job as Christians is to recognize we are just part Of the overall mission of the church and the overall story of jesus but we are called to be a part that is alive and that is a priestly joyful representative of christ's high priesthood out in the world so that others when they look at us they would not see us and they could not help but be able to see jesus i pray that is true for you and becomes more and more true each day And I pray that the ways that have been illuminated hopefully by this where you struggle with that are areas for your own reflection and growth in the coming weeks because I know that's true for myself. Always ways I can grow in these things as well. And I pray that you will grow with me. That's all I have for you this week. May God bless you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist.